Good afternoon, good evening, or good morning, wherever you are. That's my um, traditional introduction. I think this is Help Podcast Episode 10. And this week, there's just one elf. Elf 3 recently departed, and Elf 2 couldn't make it tonight. So it's one elf, talking his usual nonsense, and talking to David. Yep, Dave McLeavy. Go on, David, I'll let you talk. So what are we doing here, and where are we? (laughs) So we are in the Union pub, uh, and I'm here talking about block projects. Okay. Um, so Block is an arts organisation in the city. Uh, it's been running for about 17 years and it's located on Air Lane, just behind Decathlon. It's usually Decathlon is the best place to direct people. Okay, so if I'm walking out of Decathlon car park towards town... Towards town, it's almost exactly in front of you. So okay. you'll have the fire station, but be slightly to the left. Okay. Air Lane is... Uh, runs to the back of the fire station. And right. It's that building that you walk past on the right hand side. So if we have exhibitions, are you on the same block as J Wing? Is it further down? One that's uh, to the left of that. So it's before you get to say Sydney Matilda. So if you're coming okay. out of the car park, yep. um, we're next to a gym called Prime Mover. I, I know where the gym is, but I've never noticed the um, yeah, art gallery. <laughs> yeah, it's around the back. It's got a shutter on the front. So when we have exhibitions on, we have a shutter open. Okay. But it's um, on the site of about sixty artist studios. So okay. There's a series of artists, painters, sculptors, architects. So there's a large building that I've managed to miss every time I've walked through town for the last 42 years. (laughs) Um, uh, It looks like nothing's happening in there, which is kind of its charm, I think, in some ways, but there's always artists in there. I suppose a little bit like the kind of Mester workshops that would happen to me around that area. Do you have a sign-up? Yeah, we do. When we have exhibitions, oh, right, we have okay. a, uh, an earboard outside, but we have a, a large sign on the side of where the gallery is. It says okay. block projects, but um, it's slightly above eye line, so you can see it from far away. Okay. I think that's certainly something that we're going to have a sign <laughs> after this, I think. So the first thing we've learned today is, is no one knows where it is. Yeah, we need um, a sign. <laughs> that's a, a good observation, yeah. So um, this sort of brings us to how me and David met. Um, we met recently a project, um, a discussion in town saying how can Sheffield and its various events, activities, products, etc. promote itself a little bit better? So David's come along to um, introduce himself to possibly a new audience. Um, This is one way. This is one way. Well, if anybody listened to it, that is. So... um, Go on, tell us about the history of the Block Project then. So 17 years ago, you say? Yeah, so it was set up about 17 years ago in 2002. Um, so the studios that I mentioned before were running for a little bit longer than okay. that. And they used to be located on a slightly different site, which was around the same area, but just across the road. Mm-hmm. And they moved into this building, which as far as I'm aware, used to be a cutlery and tuning fork factory. Oh, yeah. Um, so the studios were running for a while. And then I think a group of the studio holders wanted to set up a gallery to show their own work, but also to invite artists in from outside of the city and elsewhere in the city to create a different sort of atmosphere and, and present new new artwork are the studios do people have like permanent residences in there or is it just a people go in do the studio a bit and leave yeah they're work? kind of workspaces as opposed to uh, live workspaces so okay. they use them for like painting studios or sculpting studios or like offices really yeah. for uh, artists that are anything from kind of full time 40 hour a week artists yeah. to Sunday painters who jump in there on the weekends or the evenings um, and there's a real breadth of, of different sorts of artists so you've got 60 rooms yeah 60 rooms are you full yeah they're always full so there's uh, one of the people who started the gallery actually a guy called Richard Bartle he started the studios and he manages the studios still Um, so he's been running it for 
over a couple of decades, really. So he manages all the studios, and then I take care of the gallery. Um, okay. So, yeah. So the gallery was born out of this group of studio holders who wanted to set up a gallery, and then as it kind of built momentum, had a bit more profile within the city and outside the city. Yeah. It started to have a bit more direction, and uh, people who were more interested in organising exhibitions started to take the fall whilst the yes, artists who were right, yes. interested in uh, making their own work took a bit of a step back and then in 2007 it became its own organisation okay. I suppose um, still based on the same site still based in the same part the building, of the building yeah. okay. um, and then in 2015 um, through a, a larger grant from I think it was the Arts Council this was before my time yeah. it expanded so the gallery became twice as big it created a foyer and more importantly it created on-site access so yeah. one of the things was for the vast majority of the time it didn't have on-street access you had to kind of go through a gate uh, which is probably why a lot of people didn't Don't know, know the gallery was there <laughs> exactly and then having to go through that threshold of going through a big black metal gate um, into a, the very, unknown exactly which is very intimidating for a lot of people in the Party. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> come yeah. come through this black gate and see what you might find. That's it, as long as you can get out. <laughs> um, so in 2015, it got on street access. Yeah. Actually, a lot of this really incredible building work um, had been done 2015 to 2016. And then I started two and a half years ago as yeah. the director. So I came on board when all this building had been done and everything was painted white. And I could just come in and uh, was very fortunate to not have to do too much of the uh, labour. Okay, well, good luck. Yeah. Uh, sounds like a, an ideal. <laughs> if anyone's noticed there, there were people in the background and the dogs, just to prove we are in a pub, we're not making this up. Um, so, so currently, how often are you running events then? What, um, or whatever you call them in yeah. the art world? Events, exhibitions, <laughs> talks, everything. Um, we're running them pretty much back to back. So we have, uh, we have two different parts of our programme, I yeah. suppose. Two different parts of what we do. So one part is that we have what we call a curated programme. So that's something that's developed by myself yeah. and when we have other members of staff that we work with on a freelance basis. Um, and they're things that we develop over a long period of time. So if we're working on an exhibition with an artist, it might be that we start working with them 18 months, two years in advance before okay. we present their works. It's always about supporting artists at an early point in their career, helping them develop by giving them money, lots of support, to produce an exhibition so we have the exhibition side and then they also have events and talks and workshops for members of the public to come to all free um, throughout the year so that's part of our curated program yeah and then we also have our hires program so our external program so people in the city whether it's the university whether it's groups of artists whether it's anyone who wants to hire the space we open it up for external proposals for people to use the space um, for a fairly the small gallery side the it. gallery side of okay. things so people use it for exhibitions um, how big is it so it's uh, the actual main gallery is 50 square meters okay and then we have a foyer which is about 20 square meters okay. mm-hmm. um, but it's quite unique in the city I think of just having a really like a white box that anyone can basically do anything with so we've had all sorts of things external exhibitions that are more traditional like painting exhibitions yeah. or sculpture exhibitions but then we've also had theatre performances we've had music uh, performances um, we've had all sorts really. so you don't really specialise in anything in particular? Or? Uh, not really it's the main specialty I suppose especially with our curated programme is working with artists at the early to mid point in their career so it's okay. about providing the kind of a platform for artists both artists in the city but also artists from outside of the city um, because as 
what I'm interested in is how a city like Sheffield can have different sorts of galleries that are working with artists at different points in their career so it almost yeah. feels like there's different stepping stones okay. so when we work with an artist we can try and get them from one point in their career to the next point through a two year collaboration so then we can hand them on and then another gallery might pick them up and do the same thing to get them to the next stage so it's about thinking about the specific sort of support okay. that different so, artists might so you, do you get funding for these artists or do you, you so you basically apply for funding and say we're going to help these artists through their early days of their career that's exactly right okay yeah. so to save that artist having to sit and fill forms in they can sit around and paint yeah. dogs that's it exactly okay. um, <laughs> we haven't had any dog paintings as of yet. Um, but that's exactly right and one of the things I was always interested in is what's so coming from a background of being an artist for a number of years before yeah. I decided to be a curator what were all the things that I found to be really tedious and really difficult but really essential to supporting yourself as an artist one of those was writing for applications one of those was marketing the activity that you're doing one of them was um, thinking about all the logistics how you get things from A to B how you get the work that you're making in a studio in Glasgow down to Sheffield so all those things that we can do as a gallery to um, alleviate that pressure from the artist means that the artist can focus more of their time on developing the work so that's why we like to work for a long period of time so do you, do you commission people or do people come to you or is it a bit of a mix and so match? A bit of a both really. So with our curated programme it's almost entirely commissions that we've we've selected and that's through a lot of research really. We do a lot of studio visits um, with artists across the UK predominantly throughout the year. We do a lot of uh, visiting exhibitions across the, the country um, to find people who whose work we're interested in, people's work who we think would be interesting for members of the public in Sheffield, yeah. judging by feedback. But then also with our hires programme, we get a lot of people proposing things that they want to use their gallery for. Yeah. So we have this real mixture okay. of stuff, which is important because it's not all coming through one channel one variety of things exactly yeah, yeah fair yeah. enough um, if anybody has listened to this and has listened to previous podcasts or haven't um, David found out about this because um, one of our previous podcasts was an interview with Al from Sydney and Matilda who was just down the road so I presume you're collab- you collaborate have you yeah, done anything together yeah we've worked together? a little bit we had our Christmas party there last year which is really good. Uh, that's collaboration yeah that's, it was very good from what I could remember the first kind of like 80% of it I think um, but yeah so Al it was interesting actually I had maybe been in post at Block for about four or five months when I when Al first got in touch okay um, he's very proactive isn't he he is yeah <laughs> uh, he's it's great actually I mean he got in touch because I used to run a cycling company in the city as well and, and Al has a particular background where he ran cycling events and things so he was looking for an office space to begin with and came across myself and my friend James's cycling company for um, for inspiration of where to find an office and, and we hit it off really and he talked to me a lot about setting up a space and it happened that, that it happened to be around the corner from, from Block so I introduced him to the gallery and, and we just kept in touch really we've done a lot of collaborative work a lot of the time we get a lot of requests for certain sorts of activity for hires in our gallery space yeah. um, and we just there's only so many days in the year and often these things clash so we try and send as much business down to Al and I'm sure it works reciprocally back okay. to, up to block which is nice and I think something that I've always thought or increasingly thought since doing the Help Sheffield thing is that not places don't work together mm. what do you think do you think there's more scope for that within the city within 
particularly in a, in a field that's sort of all the same so artists working with artists makes sense but I think people don't actually just go out and go I'll work with I don't know you go and start working with Cafe Tourtum or whatever they send some music to you you send some artwork to them or whatever it works I just don't see that it's sort of set up in that way No I can completely agree in, in many ways I think thinking about the area that I know about in Sheffield in terms of art contemporary art there's an increasing amount of collaboration which is really amazing and yeah. it's something that has existed in parts in the past but I think over the last couple of years it's really ramped up there's been quite a big shift in terms of the people who are working within the arts organisations in the city over the last two years some big arts organisations like Site Gallery and, and S1 Art Space have had changing curators and directors which has been really exciting building on the legacy of what people have been doing before there's yeah. also spaces like Al's Sydney and Matilda opening but outside of that art and art collaboration I completely agree I think there's real scope for spaces that are in the music industry the performing arts industry and the visual arts to kind of do more there's some interesting projects I think um, the food hall is really interesting um, another place I've never been <laughs> yeah well, it's, and it, again it's like a stone throw away from block yeah. and um We've not formally collaborated on anything, but I know that they're a real linchpin, I think, in terms of thinking about other forms of collaboration across contemporary art, across more kind of um, social projects. They've been yeah. a big part of things like the social art um, meetups and social art summits and things. So I think there's definitely organisations which are leading the way in that, and hopefully organisations like Block can take we can take note of that and, and think about alternative ways to do that have you got involved with the creative guild that's been set up is that something we've that yeah we've done a, a little bit of stuff with the creative guild again that's a really great initiative um to try and connect people who are working across lots of different areas of the creative yeah. uh, industries i suppose musicians i got invited i've been able to use twitter <laughs> yeah but it's, have it's a, not that creative i just put whatever comes into my head on them little message and send it out to the world <laughs> obviously someone is finding that as a creative outlet I think it's interesting because they do a lot of things around um, time banking I think maybe that's or Skillshare okay, yeah. uh, initiatives I think which is really good thinking about alternative forms of currency that people can collaborate and, and offer skill exchanges which I think yeah. is really really good and everything seems like it's kind of developing its place a little bit more in the city um, I think traditionally maybe there was quite a lot of competition again speaking from my perspective in the arts there's quite a lot competition between spaces but things have settled into a way that all of the organisations and groups are starting to think about how they're doing something slightly different from one another uh, yeah. which is almost much more conducive to collaboration because you're not feeling like you're looking over your shoulder at someone who's trying to do the same thing as what you're doing yeah it's like um, I don't know if you've ever looked at I'm really boring now I'm obsessed with Twitter obviously but um, like the Twitter lists that I put on Twitter I have created over 200 Twitter lists on Twitter, all of Sheffield and various nearby locations accounts that do a sim similar sort of thing. So if someone says to me, how do I use Twitter? And I'm a, um, an optician, for example. My answer would be, go on the Twitter list and just follow all the opticians. Mm -hmm. See what the opticians do, steal all the best ideas, and then go and talk to them and say, where do you get this from? Where do you do that? How does this work for you? And I just don't, I don't know. People just don't seem to buy into that in a way that I would cope. I can see why they wouldn't, because every, everybody sees everybody else as a competition, but have you heard of the agglomeration effect? Something no, I but it sounds amazing. <laughs> Go on. Basically, if you had a street with like six... Well, let's... Good example. Abedale Road. And now it's... It was the Boardfield ten years ago. It was the only pub that me and my friends would probably have ever gone to. It's now got the Bowerboy. It's got the Picture House. It's got the Gym Bar. It's soon going to have... The Steel City Cakes is going to be a new ale bar. The... 
Dead donkeys down there. Dead donkeys down there. The um, building on the corner opposite the gym bar is going to be a restaurant and bar. Mm-hmm. Um, and people go to that area because there are pubs. They don't choose which pub they're going to. They just go because there are pubs. Mm-hmm. And then if it's five year, one person will like that one, one person that one. But because they're in the same area, then they get business from just being in the same area as each mm-hmm. other. So just by being an existing, so you've got art, art, art on your street. Yeah, yeah. And the idea is that, oh, I'm just going to go and look at some art galleries. Same with the antiques quarter idea. Just, they're all in the same place, so you just go down and go, I'm going to find some antiques. I don't know what shop I'm going to. I'm going to antiques land. Yeah, it's interesting you say that, because I think around where, where Block is and where Sydney and Matilda is, if you go slightly more towards the station, so on yeah. Brown Street where the workstation is and the showroom cinema, that area has traditionally, or at least in kind of council context, has been labelled as the cultural industries quarter, which yeah. is great in many ways because it essentially signposts people to that area but it's starting to think more in an expanded way about how it kind of winds a little bit further out of the city and yeah. I've been at a, quite a noticeable amount of meetings recently which have been about wayfinding and kind of signposting for things around this sort of area and it's exactly what you describe I think there's such a density in there that it's trying to encourage the fact that you just go there as a cultural destination yeah. not necessarily to see anything specific but just to be signposted on some sort just of see it all and yeah. this is where I am so. and there's an element of kind of serendipity you kind of come across places yeah. that you didn't know about as well which is um, which is fantastic I think the amount of people who come into our gallery and we try and signpost them to say okay in like five minutes walk you can get to this place this place this place this place it isn't that dissimilar to what we're doing here no it's, sim- it's different enough to warrant it being an experience I don't know about you but when I go on holiday the first one is thing I do when I go on holiday generally is wander around and if mm. it looks like something I want to go into I go into it and then I end up sitting in generally sitting in a pub for three hours <laughs> and then I walk up to the next place and I go oh I've looked at some art for 45 minutes I deserve to go to the pub again yeah. and you've just wandered around completely followed your nose and some of the best things that you... it's like I, I try and often suggest to people that they should be a tourist in their own city for a few days mm. so people go to Sheffield to do something into town as we'd say to do something specific but just wandering in and going right today I'm going to go to that place because I've never been just do that I love doing that Um, I mean the amount of places uh, that I've discovered over the last couple of years which I've never been to before so I've got a two year old son and when you have days off with a young son you're just like I need to do something I need to find somewhere else in the city that's outside of my Terry's house living room because it's just tiny so the amount of places you're finding that are free to the public different museums and things like that around the city and you become a tourist exactly as you mentioned in your own city and you explore it in a different way So, so when people are coming into the gallery for example, you feel like you've just got much more of a wealth of, exp- of knowledge of, of where to signpost people to, depending on what their interests are, because otherwise you just becomes too uh, cyclical. You know, you just yeah, just do the same thing over and over again. again. I think some people are happy with that. Yes, I'm, uh, I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> but it's something that came up in the meeting we had. What was it called? The Sheffield? Uh, it was part of the Culture Collective, oh, Culture um, Collective at the Crucible, and I think it was about cultural investment fund. Yeah. There's lots of acronyms. Uh, that, that trying up. to get money, investment into the city, trying to signpost people to the right place. In some cases, literally signpost. People mm-hmm. going on about, why don't we just stick some big signs, stick signs yeah. on things and just say, this is where you go for this, that and the other. Um, so yeah, there's hopefully going to be some movement out of that, see what comes of it. Yeah. Um, there's some, I'd like to say, I was going to say big players, but that sounds horrible because uh, <laughs> I don't know what I meant by that. I guess people that. who maybe have... <laughs> Uh, influence or mainly access to cash yeah. than anything else which I think it's um, 
I always find those things very interesting and very, in many res- respects, very uh, potentially fills you with enthusiasm. Yeah. Things are going to shift and things are going to progress. Um, the difficulty is quite often these meetings come up quite regularly, so it's about how you articulate or move this huge kind of idea in usually quite a short time period. I mean, there was a lot of... In a, we had a meeting for like two hours and there was quite a lot of people disagreeing within that two hours <laughs> having to actually implement Trying to anything. convince a city of half a million people to go to this gig or to this art festival or whatever it might be. And also, I think there's a lot to be said for giving people the choice to go to these things and then realising that not everyone cares, you know? Yeah, that's true. I think about that a lot with the gallery. I mean, it's really important to reduce barriers to access, so whether that's making sure more people know about the activity that we do, making sure it's literally accessible for more people, yeah. accessible. we're thinking about ways in which we can communicate with lots of different people. But giving people the choice then to say, well, actually, I really want to come and experience that, or seen that that's on but I've decided not to go to it is a completely valid reason to not come yeah. and just thinking that you can't expect everyone to go to everything and that's actually one of the most interesting things is you have different sorts of communities coming to different different um, events and different exhibitions and things Are there certain people that you think just you're never going to tap and I think I think art specifically because I don't know, it depends what you consider to be art. I'm into music. I have no interest in anything sort of visual art whatsoever, apart from photography. I find photography quite interesting. But like paintings, I go, yeah, you've done a really nice job, well done. Yeah. I can't do it, and I sort of respect you for it, but I could not take time out of my life to go and look at it. And I think, I don't know, there's certain things that you just, some people are just immovable objects, but there's lots, obviously lots of people that would be interested in your stuff if only they knew about it. And but it's just how to get them. It's just frustrating. Yeah, completely. I think, and it's really unrealistic to expect that you that. that firstly, us as an organisation have the have the power to persuade everyone that art's really important. And why should it be really important to everyone? You know, there's yeah. different for art is so all-encompassing in terms of you talking about music. You know, music has it's quite indiv- unique in the sense that it has such a profound effect on the vast majority of people. There probably are people who don't have any emotional connection to music. You know, yeah. obviously there's a larger amount of people that don't have a, the same connection with something like visual arts or opera. It does make me feel bad now. I said that. I think it's bringing no, some no. people down. <laughs> no. I'm just going to come have a look around. And you have to bring at least ten people. Now you said that, um, but the, but the I spoke before about this um, removing barriers to access is something that we talk about a lot and some of it is is that we're quite aware especially because a lot of our marketing is done online we do a little bit of print marketing we send it out to various different places but a lot of our stuff is done online and you more than most people will understand that most of the online marketing in many ways often gets channeled to the same or a similar audience it's very difficult to break into new audiences different community groups or different areas of the city or different areas of the region I've done something recently, I don't know if you've, you've seen it on Twitter, it's put who's in this photo and you're going to tag 10 accounts into it without actually filling up your, um, your characters with it. What I've started doing recently is just doing a photo and just going, I'm going to put 10 people on it or I don't think they've got any interest in this whatsoever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just to go, they might have. And if they think they've got a slightest bit of interest but it's not for them, then they might share it with a really random group of people. It's like, oh, we've suddenly got, I don't know, a bunch of bikers in this Saturday afternoon looking at biker art or whatever that might be. Loads of leather jackets we've got. So it's just, you never really know who. Some of the most interesting conversations come from those sorts of meetings as well. 
So sometimes we'll find that, because the vast majority of the exhibitions are be sat front of house working um, as people come in and have a lot of conversations. One of the things I really try and do, and, and everyone who's invigilating the exhibitions, I try and encourage them to do, is try and have a conversation with people if they want it. Yeah. Um, to introduce them to the work, introduce them to the gallery, because the worst thing is if someone comes in and has a really cold experience and yeah. they feel like, I went there once and it was really weird and it was silent, deadly silent. So what um, sometimes the most interesting thing is where there's a group of people, usually led by one or two who want to come to the gallery, a few who are just their mates who may be coming yeah. to the city, and having a conversation with some of the people who are almost like confronting it and encountering it in a really chance fashion, okay. and thinking about how to talk about art in a way that feels like it might inspire meaning to people who weren't expecting to come to this sort of thing. Because even the language that you use is, is quite different. You know, we can, yeah. like anyone in any sort of industry can get so used to talking to other people in our industry in some sort of code, in a way, um, and trying to strip that back. And that's a really useful exercise in thinking about how to communicate with new audiences. And it's not about um, dumbing something down or it's not about making it super simple. It's just yeah. about thinking about a different sort of language or a different way of articulating some of the ideas or making it relevant to some of the things that people are experiencing outside of the art world, I think. I think, I think art can be one of those things. I've just said, well, dismissively, which I shouldn't have, um, that is not really for me. But often if I do end up going to a museum or a gallery, there's certain things that I would never think, oh, I expect, didn't expect I'd like, um, I don't know. Roman crash helmets or whatever they are oh, yeah. just like but certain things you just go in chant it and see what happens same with a gig I'll go to a gig I don't have a clue who's playing and sometimes I like it yeah. Um, but yeah I think there's probably a lot to be said for just giving it a go kind of thing yeah and I think sometimes they might not necessarily feel like you're in the right mind frame to really enjoy something that you know you might enjoy at a different point in time so yeah I think it's all about all the circumstances coming together to kind of coalesce in this more meaningful experience in the odd chance that it kind of happens. You know, sometimes you might not be interested in spending that much time. Yeah, I um, so I grew up, I won't say where because I don't put my name on here, yeah, yeah. but I grew up in, let's say, not the most affluent area of Sheffield. Um, and if I told some of my school friends that I was spending the afternoon in an art gallery, I would get grief for quite a long time, I imagine. Do you find that that's the thing where you've got to break down that um, element of people think this is, I don't know, above me maybe? I don't know if that's the right word. It's, it's difficult, I think. We did a little bit of research last year around our public programmes for our events and talks and workshops programme yeah. about mapping people who are coming to the, the space to try to get feedback from audience members in terms of how successful certain things were but also little fundamental things like where people are coming from and um, quite expectedly actually in many ways the vast majority of our audience but I'd probably say around 70% were coming from postcodes around around here you know around the kind of west part of, of Sheffield yeah. and there was a fairly small proportion that were coming from North Sheffield for example which um, typically from other studies have shown similar sort of figures there was a, uh, a lack of engagement within the visual arts and that's nothing to do with um, the people living in those areas I think it's often to do with the, 
the way that visual arts organisations present themselves. So I definitely think there's barriers to kind of overcome there. I suppose you, you market yourself to the people that you know are going to come, I suppose, rather than you might be pissing in the wind, I suppose, if you go to an area or anything. Well, not an area, but yeah, yeah. try and market it out. Did you hear um, Toby Foster? I don't you might know this bloke is. Toby Foster did an interview on the radio the other morning with a lad. Radio Sheffield, Radio Sheffield. Radio Sheffield, not him. Yeah, yeah. Oh, right, okay, yeah. The other bloke with name I can't remember. <laughs> I've got that there, yeah. <laughs> so no, he was on Radio Shepherd interviewing a lad who lived, who was brought up on the manor estate, and um, he paints things on f- litter that he's found. Connor. Yeah. Connor Rogers. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Listen to that interview if you get a chance on Radio Sheffield the other morning. It'll be on iPlayer or something. Mm. And he was so interested and just like, I'm going to get grief for this because everyone's just like, you're an artist, you're born on the manor and you're not supposed to do that kind of thing. And he's like, I don't care. Apparently he's amazing. He's very interesting, Connor. I think we're going to be working with him a lot over the next kind of couple of years because he's just started on a a big artist development programme. And there are certain artists and that's something really interesting that a lot of organisations... Um, should be exploring is is how the selection of artists might help open up yeah. people's perception of that gallery in some ways um, and giving a platform to artists from mul- multiple different backgrounds um, socioeconomic, ethnic backgrounds all these things yeah. to think about how we can encourage a more diverse audience. I mean there's always going to be a set amount of people or a set um, group of people who will regularly attend exhibitions and events at Block which is fantastic and we really appreciate those people coming but it's also about maybe diverting the vast majority of our energy in terms of marketing to reaching areas of Sheffield that we know we're not reaching, rather than just relying on the same audience because you are just playing to the same crowd. And as I said, there are a fantastic group of people who regularly come to the gallery and and we help support us and they get a lot out of it. But it is our responsibility, especially because a large proportion of the money that we spend on exhibitions and events and running the gallery is public money that's raised through the lottery. So it's the we have a social responsibility as well as an ethical responsibility to think about how we engage with different different groups of people. It's just made me think whether um I keep going on about going to the pub because that's where I spend <laughs> a lot of my time that's this artist. Um about whether to sort of set up a help Sheffield that's this Saturday we'll go and do tours of galleries and see how many people we can get and go on a, on a gallery tour for the afternoon. It'd be amazing because they've done a lot of things like that in the past but again they've kind of been marketed through like certain galleries or um, certain kind of consortiums of galleries have organised these things yeah. and again they've been really great because there's been good groups usually fairly similar faces that you'd see coming to the openings but but each gallery would kind of give a little bit of a tour so you'd almost be getting something extra than you would okay. if you were going yourself. Yeah. But again, you get a very similar kind of grouping of people. There's obviously outliers within that. But I think going through a different avenue, having it not being promoted necessarily through the galleries, mean that you're yeah. reaching a new, a new audience that might not necessarily have thought about going to the galleries. And maybe trying to have, if it's their first experience, going into Block or going into Site Gallery or S1 Art Space or Yorkshire Art Space. But they're having an experience that's... It's friendly and welcoming. You, know, you might not necessarily like the work, but as long as you feel comfortable in that space, yeah. galleries historically have not been comfortable places to be in. It's not really comfortable standing in a really white space. I almost came out in a really big rash in the National History Museum and I couldn't go in. Well, I was too hot and I had a rash and I had to go to the pub on that occasion as well. Yeah, I mean, so. it's usually the remedy. It's <laughs> the ice, ice cold glass on the rash. But it's, but, yeah, <laughs> it's trying to make people feel comfortable. I've not been since. 
Well, <laughs> I think maybe it's, it's it's worth avoiding if you come out in hives. I don't know what happened there. <laughs> Weird experience. Yeah. I don't tap this. I'm going to tap the um, phone that we're recording on. Oh, we're on 30 minutes. So, um, is there anything you'd like to add before we um, wrap this up? Because we did say we were going to go between 20 and 25, but we just didn't look. No, I think it's just great that you're meeting different people from different parts of Sheffield to try and promote what they're doing I think and trying to link people up I think the more um, and it's our responsibility as well as organisations say arts organisations to think about how we presenting our stuff outside of the traditional art context yeah. but it's invaluable that there's people like you doing this and, and offering this sort of support which is it's just great. an excuse to come to the pub well that's it yeah yeah <laughs> although I didn't drink it's a nice uh, yeah we've got a coke and an orange juice <laughs> but it's waiting until we finish the podcast and that's when it all starts <laughs> going wrong but no it's a, a huge thank you for you inviting me to no problem to do just this. hope people could hear it next time we might have um, a microphone rather than just doing it on my phone in a pub um, right thank you very much David yeah, and um, just tell us where you can find block projects yeah so we're located on Air Lane. We've got an exhibition on at the moment, which is a painting exhibition called Prosaic Mosaic. And we have a series of projects leading all the way up until Christmas. I think the last project probably finishes about a week before Christmas. Then we have a full list of uh, exhibitions and events always on our website at blockprojects.co.uk. And you're on social media? Yeah, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Do you, do you remember your accounts? Or we'll um, have to find them and put them in the programme. I think they're all block projects. It's oh, like okay. block projects on Instagram. That's it's, without a kicking cur, isn't it? Yeah, it's BLOC projects okay. plural um, the symbol is like a little house yeah. drawn um, so you'll see that um, and yeah the best thing to do is check our social media for updates on events and exhibitions because um, that's the most regularly updated platform. I feel like I have to now I've said I'm never going <laughs> <laughs> right thank you very much thank that you. was episode 10 of um, the Help podcast and we'll get episode 11 when we find someone who wants to play give us a shout if you do goodbye